Jesus, that you are with us. You are our hiding place. You're our shelter, our refuge, the strong tower that we can always run to and find safety. We exalt you. We exalt you together corporately as God's people here today. Individually, out there in life, sometimes kneeling beside the side of our bed, not knowing what to do, not having any answers for life. Even at those times, as your people, thank you. You rise up by your spirit within us and we exalt you. We praise you, Jesus. And for some of us, we've been disappointed by life, disappointed by how things may have turned out. But even in our disappointment, like the great saints of old, in their disappointment, just like them, we exalt you, we praise you, we lift you up, because you are, as we have sung, our refuge and our strength and our hiding place. And you never leave us and you never forsake us and you're always with us and about us. And we just want to say thank you, thank you. And even to be here this morning, some of us, it's been challenging to get here, but here we are because we want to exalt you and sing our praises to you. Thank you for your wonderful people, the blessing they are, the great strength that you've given each and every one of us, and the peace like Dave encouraged us about, the peace that passes all understanding, that you never want us to step out of. You always want us to live in and enjoy amidst the pressures of life. We thank you that that is our portion. <clears throat> we thank you for that. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Come on, let's thank our musicians. Bless us every single week. What a great blessing they are to us. Well, last week we were in Scotland, Bonnie, Scotland, and um, we had a great time as a family. Um, we were up in Edinburgh for three days. That's an incredible city. Journey up was incredible, just going through all of the mountains and just, just, it's great, you know, just to look about and see God's wonderful creation and just to see his handiwork. It, it, is, it is food for the soul. So we spent uh, three days in Edinburgh and then we moved over to Loch Lomond and that was fantastic. I went swimming in Loch Lomond with Summer and Daniel. None of the others would come. Faye wouldn't jump in with us. We, want, we were trying to encourage her to get in, but no, she wasn't having any of it. We jumped in at a swim in Loch Lomond, rode on the back of the Loch Ness Monster. It was fantastic. We had a great time. But what a blessed, um, a blessed week you guys had too. 
Dave Saunders ministered on Sunday and um, received so many encouraging reports about his ministry, about his gentle heart. And, and it's amazing, you know, how, how God's Word just comes to us from different people, and it just ministers to us just at the exact time that we need it. So we thank God for Dave. Thank God for his ministry. And also Dave and Sarah and Paul convened the services, and we are blessed, aren't we? We really are to have such a wonderful body of leaders within the church that look after us and care for us. This morning, we're going to continue on in a series of messages titled, Making a Choice to Rejoice. I started this with you a few weeks ago, and um, a few weeks ago, we began looking at the prophet Habakkuk, and we saw that Habakkuk was facing a scene of devastation. Tens of thousands of Babylonian soldiers converged around Jerusalem to destroy it. They were going to raise it to the ground. And there was a siege in this nation. And as they surrounded this wonderful city that God had richly blessed, they couldn't break through the walls Month after month, week after week, the people inside the city, Judah, managed to hold off this Babylonian horde that wanted to ravage and destroy this wonderful city. And as they, as they waited and as they trusted God, all around them, the soldiers from Babylon ravaged the land, and destroyed everything in their wake. Before they broke through the walls, it was a scene of utter devastation. And Habakkuk the prophet was in the middle of all of this mess. Eventually, they would break through the walls and they would destroy everything and pillage and finally burn down the temple, that, that place of God's presence would be destroyed. Habakkuk sees this scene of devastation, and he writes about it, and he describes about it. He describes it in Habakkuk chapter 3, and he doesn't ignore the reality of what's happening around him. He sees the pain of it. He's confused by it. He's got lots of questions on his mind that he goes to God about, but in the midst of his confusion, in the midst of not understanding what is happening to his land and to his nation, in the midst of all of the confusion, he begins to praise God. As everything was being stripped about him, everything that was so fruitful, everything that was so reliable was perishing before his eyes, he begins to praise God. Habakkuk was powerless to do anything. Habakkuk was powerless to change the circumstances about him, but he made a choice to rejoice in the Lord. And from a moment of great despair and weakness, suddenly Habakkuk declared this wonderful statement of praise in Habakkuk chapter 3. You can read it. He said this, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He placed his trust in God, his strength, and right in the middle of his pain, right in the middle of his trouble, 
right in the middle of devastating circumstances, he sang his praise to God. We've been ministered to this morning by the musicians and by the singers. And it's been sweet to our soul to sing along with them and to be ministered to by God's presence. But Habakkuk didn't have anything available to him like we've enjoyed this morning. Habakkuk was in a a place of great pain, a place of great need. Battle noise all around him. Destruction before him. And yet in the midst of all of this pain, he sang his song, possibly with tears rolling down his cheeks, not knowing what was going to happen next. In the face of it all, he still sang his praise to God. After looking at Habakkuk, we turn to look at David. David's attitude of heart. And how David made a resolute decision. A choice to rejoice in every season of his life. If you remember, we turn to Psalm 34. And David's opening words... In this psalm, a strong and exuberant, in a time of great personal weakness, in a time of great personal crisis, David opens Psalm 34 with these words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. If you're going to set the direction and course for your life with course coordinates, we should take note from David. We should take note from Habakkuk. We should set our course coordinates for life and living every day in the way that they set their lives and the direction of their lives. I will bless the Lord. At all times, his praise will continually be in my mouth. They're the coordinates that we need for life. They're the coordinates that we need for living. In the midst of changing circumstance, in the midst of a life that vacillates and changes so suddenly, let circumstance never take the praises of God from your mouth. Irrespective of what time you're in, irrespective of what season is about you, whether it's a high time or a low time, a time of rejoicing and victory, or a time where you're feeling cornered by defeat, never let circumstance take out from your mouth the praises of God that He deserves. Praise Him continually. When David sang these words in Psalm 34, when he declared his praise and gratitude to God, he was hiding out in the darkness of a cave. When you read Psalm 34, you wouldn't really pick up on that. You wouldn't really think about the scene and the circumstances all about him. But he sang these very words and that opening line that is so strong, that is so positive that is so full of conviction. He sang it in the darkness of a cave. He'd been running as a fugitive from King Saul for, for approximately 24 months. Saul had been hounding him and hunting him down. He was living like 
an animal in fear, on the run, from hand to mouth, not knowing what to do or where to go. The victory that he'd gained over Goliath had long since passed and was forgotten by everybody. This young victor that had saved the nation, that had delivered the nation, that had put it back in a place of strength now was abandoned, forgotten, alone, isolated, and living in a dark cave. Yet in the midst of that, he begins to sing. It's a choice to rejoice when you're abandoned and isolated in circumstances that you cannot change. When you're living in a prolonged problem that you want to go away, but it's getting worse. It's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice to sing. And David comes out strong with his band of men who had all had their story of rejection, all had their history of defeat, and they'd gathered around David faithfully. And David begins to sing, sing his song of praise to God in a very, very difficult time and a time that was prolonged with pain uncertainty and confusion. David sings his song of praise. There's no sweet instruments. Possibly his voice is trembling. His mind is certainly confused and kind of going in every direction as to make the right decision. His heart and his emotions and his soul is spent of its strength, and yet he comes around his men. And in the lowest moment of his life, he sings. He sings praise to God. And he will not allow circumstance to take away his choice to rejoice in the Lord his God. There's a message there from the lives of these two men that come to all of us, irrespective of what is behind us, before us, or ahead of us. Let's always let the praises of God come out of our heart readily when, we, when, we, when our emotions are high and when our emotions are low, when we feel like it, when we don't feel like it. Let's give our praise to Him. Stability and normality had been removed from these two men's lives. And yet they consistently chose to give praise to God in amidst all of the changes that were happening around them. In amidst all of the circumstances, they sang and rejoiced and celebrated and joyed in the God of their salvation. Now, this morning, we're going to turn our attention to look at one time when Jesus sang praises to God. Jesus sang praises to God with his disciples. And, you know, we're all aware, aren't we, of Jesus as a great teacher. Jesus as a great preacher. He taught people with authority. And his words had power. He revealed the word of God and applied it powerfully to thousands of people. And when you read your Bible, especially the Gospels, 
you become very much aware of those times where Jesus preached the word powerfully. He healed people. He delivered people. He saved people. No man had ever spoken like him. He was the word of God and is the word of God incarnate. Every word that he spoke had power and authority and love and grace in it. We're aware of those great moments in Jesus' life as we read the Bible when he preached and he taught. We're also aware of the miracles that Jesus performed. You go through the Gospels and it's almost as if on every page. Miracle after miracle, Jesus does as he heals and delivers and saves and changes people's lives forever. There are so many miracles that we could refer to. So many different occasions that we see as we read the Gospels, but Jesus singing a hymn. Jesus singing a hymn of praise. That may not be the first thing that we think about when we think of Jesus. It doesn't necessarily come to the forefront of our mind. And one of the reasons for that is because there's only one recorded occasion that we read of when Jesus sang a hymn. When our Lord Jesus sang a hymn with his disciples. And it's in Matthew 26. And we're going to look at this this morning. Matthew 26, verse 30. Verse 30 very simply states this. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. When they had sung a hymn together, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, initially, when you read those words, you could easily miss them. You could see them as unimportant and not give any significance to them. But when you understand when he sang these words, when you understand the incredible changes that were taking place all around Jesus at this particular point when he sang his praises to God with his disciples, you begin to understand the strength of this song in our Savior's heart. You begin to understand the wonder and the greatness of it when you understand the moment that he sang this song of praise to his Father. The day on which Jesus sang this song was unlike any other day in Jesus' life. Jesus sang this hymn with his disciples at the time of the Last Supper. Now, the disciples didn't know at that moment that it was the Last Supper that they were going to have with Jesus. But tremendous changes were occurring all around Jesus. The fulfillment of prophecy that had hung in the balance for thousands of years was now coming to its completion, was now about to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that at this moment of Last Supper together, the last meal, and Jesus walks into this upper room, and He doesn't scare them, He doesn't frighten them, 
He doesn't get heavy with them about what's about to happen. He's in control. And he's ordering everything so that he can work and obey the Father to the fullest, to fulfill everything that had been prophesied and, sp and spoken about from eternity throughout all time. Disciples didn't know that this was a significant moment. Jesus, before their meal, took the bowl of water and washed their feet gently. This was surprising, but again, he just wanted to teach them a lesson to help them understand what greatness was all about. In the afternoon, these disciples had been arguing one with another, who's going to be the greatest among us? And Jesus, in the evening, washes their feet and simply tells them, the greatest among you is he that can do the lowest and the most menialist of duties and become a servant. Jesus' life, Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' way is completely and utterly different to the world's way and to how they had been groomed in their understanding by the world about them. And Jesus shows them a new living way by washing their feet and instructed them to do likewise in their relationships with one another. This night was a night where Jesus would reveal a new command. They'd been with him for three years, known him intimately, seen him do wonderful, wonderful things in fulfilling the will of God in his life and blessing multitudes, thousands of people. And this new revelation that he gave, him, gave them in this moment on this night was reserved for this moment, for this very hour. He said, a new commandment I give you. As I have loved you, love one another. When you reflect and think about how I have loved you, embraced you, taken you, my expectation of you is to love one another in the same way, with the same measure. On this night, Jesus, around the table, as they ate together, would look Judas in the eye and see the one that would betray him and set everything up so that Jesus would be at the right place at the right time so that he could be arrested and the will of God could be performed. On this night, Jesus would see and prophesy over Peter. Peter would come out with his great promise that he would never leave Jesus, that he would even die for him. 
And Jesus gently would correct him and say, before the cock crows, you'll publicly deny me three times, Peter. This was a night like no other night. Things were changing. Things were shifting. Everything was coming about to be fulfilled so that Jesus could, so that Jesus could perform the will of the Father in bringing salvation to all mankind. It was the time of Passover. The feast of Passover had been well underway through the week. An eight-day feast was being celebrated amongst thousands of Jews in Jerusalem and on beyond the borders of the city of Jerusalem right throughout the nation. God's people were celebrating Passover together. It was a great time of festivity, a great time of celebration, a great time of community where everybody focused their attention on God's great delivering power. They remembered how God had delivered their forefathers so powerfully who had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And God had powerfully come and directed them to take a lamb and sacrifice the lamb and put blood on hyssop and put it over the lintels of their doors of their homes. And when the angel of death came through Egypt, when, when the angel would see the blood on the lintels of the doors, it would pass by and their homes would be safe before God led them out into that great exodus to that, on toward that promised land. And this is what they focused on. This is what they celebrated. It was Passover time for the nation. And the disciples and Jesus were amidst all of the joy, amidst all of the celebration of this festive week. But Jesus knew that it was a different moment for him. He knew that he was the substance that this great feast pointed to. He knew that he was the fulfillment of it. And whilst everybody was looking back, celebrating what God had done in the past when he delivered his people from Israel, when he delivered his people, sorry, from Egypt and called them out from slavery and took them through the Red Sea, as everybody was looking back to the past, Jesus was looking to the present knowing that he was the fulfillment God's very lamb, as John the Baptist had called him, the lamb of God, behold him, who takes away the sins of the world. And now the very lamb of God, at time of Passover, was sat in an upper room with his friends, eating the Passover meal, celebrating it with them. Amidst all of this relational tension, amidst all of this change, amidst all of the, 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 the circumstances that are swirling around Jesus, 
He's in complete peace. Complete peace. You see, he is the prince of peace. Jesus isn't pacing the floor in that upper room. He knew the hour for which he had come. He knew that it was ahead of him. Within but a few hours, he would be arrested. Within but a few hours, everything would change so suddenly. But Jesus, knowing all of that, seeing the complete picture, wasn't pacing the floor, trying to hold on for dear life, lamenting with his disciples, panicking as to what was happening. No, he was perfectly positioned in the peace of God. The Prince of Peace faced life. The Prince of Peace stood toe-to-toe with all of the challenges and right in the middle of this Passover week, Jesus sang his praise to God. This wasn't a lament. This hymn that Matthew remembers that they sang on the night that he was betrayed wasn't some kind of dirge to drag everybody down. No, he celebrated. He gave thanks to God, irrespective of what was happening around him, irrespective of all of the decisions to corner him and trap him and capture him like a common criminal. The Prince of Peace praised his Father and celebrated and thanked him and would not allow circumstance to take out the praises of God from his mouth. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us what hymn was sung. But we can almost be certain that it was the hymn that every Jew would sing at Passover, known as the Hallel. For centuries, the Jewish people at Passover would always sing the Hallel at the Passover meal. Now, unless Jesus and his disciples ignored the customs and the traditions of their time that tens of thousands in the nation would uphold. It's highly unlikely that he did. Unless he did, he wouldn't have sung the Hallel. But everything points to the fact that Jesus and his disciples sang the Hallel on this night, this Passover night on which he was about to be betrayed. Jesus, God's Passover lamb, sang from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 on this last night of his life. These chapters are known as the hymn of the Hallel. The Jews even sing today at the feast of Passover. And it remembers how God delivered his people from Egypt. It remembers how God led them through the sea and delivered them from that aggressive slave system of Pharaoh 
and wiped out their past forever so that they would see it no more. And through this Hallel, from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, Jesus expressed wonderful gratitude to his Father in heaven amidst all of the confusion, amidst all of the changing circumstances. Jesus praised his God. Let me read to you some of the portions from this group of chapters in the Psalms known as the Hallel that Jesus sang on the night. Listen, remember, on the night that he was betrayed, on the night that he was denied, on the night that he was deserted, on the eve of his crucifixion, listen to this hymn that he would have sung. Psalm 113. He begins, Praise the Lord. That's not a man that's frantically pacing the floor in fear, trying to hide away from life because he's afraid of it. Praise the Lord. That's a man that has the Spirit of God in him that is God in the flesh, facing life with all of its hatred, facing life with all of its complexity and its confusion, facing life, walking forward, irrespective of what's going to happen to him. Praise the Lord, he says. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Irrespective of what's happening around me, irrespective of the decisions of other people to betray me, deny me, and desert me, and even crucify me, praise the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. You'll never defeat a person like that. And that's the same spirit that resides in you and I, my friends. Maybe not to that degree, but the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. And in those moments of pressure, in those moments where we feel as if we are being broken apart by life circumstances, we can come out like Jesus in the same spirit and say, praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't try to blame God for all of these cornering events that are going to crush his life. No, he turns to God. When life has turned on him, when everybody's turned against him, he turns to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. And then he says this, I love it. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised forever. Now that in itself is an amazing declaration, an amazing line to sing when he's facing the most horrid of times. Because what Jesus is saying is that no matter what, any day holds from its beginning to its ending, irrespective of everything in it, I will praise the Lord. I will declare His goodness. The Lord's name every day shall 
be praised from this time and from forevermore. And then he goes on, the Lord is high above all the nations. You see, praise gives perspective on life. Praise brings perspective about the circumstances that we face. And he gets perspective about the Lord being high and above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who dwells on high? Now remember, they're singing this together. Disciples not knowing what's ahead. Jesus knowing exactly what he is walking into. And the praise is rising. And the, the, the celebration is gathering before they leave. Then Psalm 114, verse 7 to 8. Listen to what he sings here. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of water. Here they're remembering the miraculous provision of God in the midst of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. They had nowhere to turn. They, they had run out of all means of supply. They cry out to God, and suddenly God does something that is incredible. Water starts to flow out of a rock, and it refreshes over two million Israelites. And from the flinty stone around them, pools of water are found. And their praise magnifies God. Above all of the problems, above all of the darkness of the night, their praise magnifies the supernatural power, the supernatural provision of God Almighty. Then into Psalm 116, Jesus sings of an unbroken connection with the Father. No matter what life holds, no matter how things change, He knows who holds the future. Psalm 116, he says, I love you, Lord. You might not love what's happening to you. You might not love how people are responding. You might not love what people are saying. You might not love the place that you're in today. But in the midst of it, like Jesus, you can say, I love you, Lord. Because he has heard my voice and my supplication. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me. And the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. 
I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will believe, therefore, I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. This was the content, some of the content of the hymn that they sang together. They celebrated, not lamented. They focused on the sovereignty of God to fulfill his plan when Nothing made sense when confusion would reign in the darkness of the night. Jesus lifted his voice and praised God. Psalm 117, he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And then finally in Psalm 118, this hymn he brings to a close. And this chapter is a chapter of great thankfulness, gratitude, focusing on God's goodness and God's mercy towards us, his people, forever. Psalm 118 let me read it to you. He says this. Now, this is the close before they move on to Mount Olivet, before Jesus enters the garden, before all of these horrendous, devilish circumstances be, beset him, and he gets taken away to the cross. This is how he ends the Passover meal and the evening before he goes on to fulfill what God had called him to be, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Psalm 118, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you. For you have answered me and have become my salvation. Listen to this. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Nobody knew what Jesus was singing. Only Jesus and the Father. But it was about to be fulfilled in their very midst. This was the Lord's doing. 
It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus wasn't running away or hiding away from this terrific moment, the hour for which he had come. This was a day that he embraced. This was a day that he said has been made for me. I will rejoice in it. I will not run away from it. I will give you thanks. I will give you praise. And I will enter it and, and do your will to the full. I will be glad in it. I mean, what kind of spirit is this? What kind of life is this? It's the very life of Christ that's in you and I. It really is. The abundant life that Dave is talking about. A tenacious life, a strong life, a courageous life that praises God in amidst every circumstance, in amidst every change. You are my God. God, and I will praise you. He says, you are my God, and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks, he says, as he closes, as they sing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. This is the praise. This is the hymn. This is the song that they sang over that 15-minute period as the meal ended and they moved on together to the garden where they would fulfill, he would fulfill the will of God for his life to die on a cross, to cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, to become the atoning sacrifice for our sins the guilty for the innocent so that we might go free and receive his salvation. When we praise God in our problems, in our circumstances, what we're doing is we're recognizing that he has great power, greater power over the problems that face us. Never let circumstance take the praises of God out of your mouth, irrespective of what's happening around you. It's not easy. It's not, it's not something that, that doesn't have challenges, that doesn't demand courage. But as we humbly come before him and praise him, God is pleased with such praise. This example of Jesus, just as we come to a close this morning, you can ask the musicians to come. This example of Jesus had great impact on the lives of the early believers and the emergence of the early church. This simple line that Matthew spoke in his gospel that he remembered that he took care to record had great impact in the lives of those early believers that served Jesus with all of their lives. You can read through the Acts of the Apostles and the Epistles. You can see how life tried to crush their faith and break their praise 
and take away that joyful heart that God had given them. And yet in the midst of it, feel it fearlessly, just like Jesus, they sang and rejoiced in amidst their pain, in amidst their difficulty. And you see, on many years after Jesus had risen from the dead, Paul and Silas in prison, doing the very thing that Jesus did, in the midst of confusion and darkness, chained up, life trying to break them, a prison trying to hold them, their backs bleeding, having been beaten and whipped. What did these men do? You know, they sang their praise to God. They prayed and sang, the Bible tells us, in the midnight hour, and suddenly the power of God caused an earthquake and the very ground beneath that prison shook and every chain on every prisoner was loosed and the prison doors swung open and great was the power of their praise and their deliverance. I'm telling you now, it doesn't matter. Not that it doesn't matter, but irrespective of what you're going through, whether now or in the future, or what you've been through, never allow the enemy to play with your mind and take away the praises of God from your mouth. Amen? Finally, I read a story about a pastor who traveled to an island, the island of Tumbago, as a missionary. The pastor's name was Pastor Jack Hinton. And on this particular missions trip, he was leading worship at a leper colony on the island. And a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit turned around. And Pastor Hinton said, as he looked at this woman's face, it was the most hideous face that he had ever seen. The woman's nose and her ears were entirely gone as leprosy had bitten into her flesh. She lifted a fingerless hand in the air and asked, Can we sing, Count Your Many Blessings? Overcome with emotion, Hinton left the service. As he went out, he was followed by a team member who said, I guess you'll never sing that song again, having seen what you have seen today. Hinton replied, oh yes, I will, but I'll never sing it in the same way. That woman, terribly disfigured by life, could have been railing against God in anger could have been bitter and twisted and yet her gratitude and her choice to rejoice and praise her Lord and give thanks irrespective of what was happening on the outside of her life was the sacrifice of praise that the word of God directs us all to give. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says this, Therefore, by him, by who? By Jesus. 
the one who has sung praise in the darkest hour, the one who has give thank, given thanks. Whilst being betrayed and denied by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I'm going to pray right now. And just as we close this service today, maybe you've come in heavy-hearted. Maybe there's things that you've got to attend to as you leave this place today that are challenging, that you're concerned about. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. And by His Spirit, He's going to strengthen you. By His Spirit, He's going to enable you, comfort you, bring you on through. And as you praise Him, as you thank Him, you're going to get new perspective that He's above it all. That He's going to move and change and bring His will into play in relation to your life. And like Paul said, you're going to see him lead you in triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for your presence in this place as we have read your word and we've thought about you, Jesus. Seeing you in that moment of darkness, in that moment of pain, in that moment where you could have turned your back and gone the other way. In the moment where you could have called 10,000 angels to deliver you out of that distress and that d destruction that you faced. Lord, you sang praise. You went forward and you fulfilled the will of God for all time and eternity so that we might receive this wonderful gift of salvation. Lord, I pray for your people today. You know the burdens we carry. You know the, the struggles we walk through. You know everything about us. Holy Spirit, I pray that from the depths of our heart, our song of praise would be sung to you whether here corporately amongst one another or whether we're out there in life, at home, at work, that we will always remember to give thanks to you and sing our praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.